Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. So yeah, today um, I've got the privilege to preach today and um, yeah, for the sake of time, I just want to get into it. There's quite a lot that I want to speak about. So if you go to Hebrews chapter 1 and um, I'm going to be reading verses 8 to 9. Um, this chapter is, is opens up the book of Hebrews. It's opening up speaking of the Lordship and the reign of Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah, and how he is above everything and anyone else, that there is no rival to him. And um, this verse 8 and 9, this is God speaking about Jesus. So I'll just read here verse 8. It says, But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. So this speaks about God anointing Jesus as the Messiah, as the Christ. So in the few verses before, he's comparing Jesus to angels and saying that Jesus' reign is far more eternal, far greater, that he cannot be compared, and that God anointed Jesus because he loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. And this speaks of the anointing of God making him the Messiah and equipping him and putting that mantle on him. This, you know, when I was reading this, this speaks back for me, it brings back to the Beatitudes when Jesus is speaking, he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And here you see God filling Jesus with that anointing, that oil of gladness, because he loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. You know, this is the blessing, this, this blessing that Jesus is speaking about, that, that shows here is the anointing that God gives and entrusts to those that love his ways and hate the, the ways of the enemy. And that word gladness there, that, that word speaks of great and intense joy. It's more than joy, it's an exceeding joy. It goes above anything that this world or anything else can offer us, and it speaks of that anointing that only God can give, that joy, that deep joy that surpasses all understanding. And that oil of gladness, it, speaks, it goes back to you know, Psalm 23, you know when it says, uh, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. It's speaking of that same kind of oil that they'd use for feasts to anoint one another. And that is what God did to Jesus. This is why God made him the Messiah, because he loved righteousness, he hated wickedness. And that's kind of what I want to preach on today, is really what I felt God speaking to me and um, bringing that conviction, but that, that weight of that word um, of loving righteousness and hating lawlessness and how God anoints us through that. So that's what I want to speak about. And you see there that that anointing came because of two things. It came because he loved the righteous ways of the Lord and he hated wickedness. And through that, God anointed him. It was a, those were the keys for him to receive that oil of gladness. So I want to speak about these kind of things, really what God was speaking to me about. So with regards to loving righteousness, you know, there are plenty definitions of what righteousness is. Some would say it's the, the rightness of God, it's what makes God right and just. Um, but I believe the Bible also describes righteousness as Jesus himself. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I think it's verse 30, and it says that he, speaking of Jesus, he has become for us wisdom from God and righteousness. 
so that he is the righteous one, that righteousness is Jesus, and we find that in him. And centrally, the central theme of loving righteousness is loving Jesus, who is the righteous one. And that is the main thing, it's loving the ways of God, it's loving God. And that's what we can really find it. And then there are many ways to love righteousness, but one of the key ways that I find in my life of loving righteousness is, is seeing love as a choice. You know, God gave it as the great command, and he gave it as the great commandment for a reason, is because you can choose to love. Love is a choice. Obviously, we are enabled and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live out the Christian life, but it is still a choice to love. Otherwise, God couldn't command it. If it was something that was automatic and we had no say in at all, it would be unjust of God to command it to us, to give us that way of going if we had, didn't have a, cho a choice. And that loving righteousness is a choice. It is a, it is a surrendering of yourself and it is a committing of your will to God and it is choosing the Lord and all of his ways. You know, we see this in the life of Jesus again and again and again, where he surrenders his will and he commits himself to the Father in everything that he does and through everything. And this is how love looks like. It is a sacrifice. You know, when you get married in marriage, it is a committing of yourself to the other person. It's not, you know, when you're single and you just live however you want to live, do whatever you want to do. Now it's a committing yourself to another and that is the same in love. When you love righteousness, you're committing yourself unto the Lord, the righteous one, Jesus, and you're taking upon his will, and you're giving up your own. You know, we see this throughout time and time again, famously in the life of Jesus, when he's in the garden, when he's about to be nailed to a tree, when he's about to be betrayed by his own creation, and he's, he's weeping, it says he's dripping tears of blood. It was, such was the intensity of the situation. And yet, even in that, he prays again and again, not my will, but your will be done. As a final act of surrender at the end of his life on earth. It says also in John chapter 4, when the disciples came to him after he meets the Samaritan woman at the well, and he's hungry and he's thirsty, then he witnesses to her, shows her that he is the Messiah and he is the Christ. And the disciples come back saying, are you not hungry or thirsty? And he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Again, speaking of his commitment to the will of God and how that is the one purpose for him. That is what he lives on. That's what he feeds on, is committing himself to the will of God. You see this again in chapter 5, where Jesus preaching to the crowd, he says, my judgment is righteous. And why is his judgment righteous? He says it's because it's not my judgment. It's not, it's not of me. It's, it's what the Father says. I, I, because I'm in total obedience to the Father, what I say is righteous and just because I'm speaking what God wants me to speak. They're not my words. They're the, God, they're the Lord's words. And because of that, what I say is righteous. My judgment is righteous because I'm committing myself unto the Lord. And that is what loving righteousness is. It is a sacrifice of our will and committing ourselves to the Lord, saying it's your will. It's me following you. It's surrendering our will for the perfect will of God. And this is the life where you saw in Jesus and, and throughout all the people in the Old Testament and you, it's the life of, of daily committing themselves unto the Lord. Daily in every situation, in every, every circumstance, they are committing themselves to the Lord who we can trust is faithful and merciful on our behalf to redeem us, to restore, to do what only he can do.
And I just want to say on a side point that the will of God is not automatic. It's not like we just walk around going, well, it's God's will, everything that's going on. That the, the will of God, you know, Jesus likens it in the, in the parables as like a great treasure. And that when the man found it, he sold all that he had to get hold of that treasure. And it is something that we seek after. And then when we seek after it and we find it, we then obey it and we walk in obedience to that. That it is a, it is a finding and it's in a walking and it's a continual process and a journey with the Lord knowing his will. It doesn't just, doesn't just happen. It's not like we just sit around passively and then just say, well, that's God's will. It is something that is active. It's something we take hold of and it's something we obey and live out. And these, this is how Jesus loved righteousness in his life. He loved the Lord and he loved all of his ways and everything he did. And he commit himself to the Lord in everything and put aside himself, when, even when it came to laying down his own life at the end. He, com- he laid it down freely because of, it was com- committing himself to the Lord. And the second part of this verse, the verse that, that really hit me, was this part where it says that you hated lawlessness. You know, Jesus hated sin. Jesus' ministry, his life on earth was a life of love, of compassion, of mercy, but he hated sin. You know, it's, it's important, it's so important to walk consistently in the anointed will of God, is to love the righteous ways of God, but to hate sin. And that is a way that you can consistently walk in God's will. You know, you might think that you can get away with it, but after time it wears away at you, it wears away, it, it limits you from all that God has called you. You know, this ties in with, with the fear of God. You know, Proverbs 8.13, it says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. You know, what strikes me about that verse, it doesn't say the fear of the Lord is not to commit sin or not to do evil or to not tolerate it or to try and distance yourself from it. It says that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. It's more than just not committing sin, it's to actually hate sin. And this is, this is the life of Jesus. He didn't just... He didn't just not sin, he hated sin itself. And he came, as it says in 1 John, he came here to destroy the works of the devil. Not just to not do them. He came to destroy them. And it speaks of a, it's more of a, you know, Jesus came, he drew a line in the sand. It was more definite than that. It wasn't just a grey area with him. That he loved the ways of God and he hated the ways of the enemy. And he loved the people. He'd heal the sick, he'd preach the gospel. He would never stop short. For the one, but he hated the sin that trapped that trapped them and destroyed them. And you know, we have there's sometimes a habit in in church or among Christians that in the past you, you sometimes you're on two sides of the road where you know you have some churches and some people that are so judgmental and cold that it can push people away. But then other times people, you know, for sympathetic reasons and for trying to be nice will then go the other way and try and minimize sin, downplay sin, to make sure that you feel welcome and accepted. And even though there is a genuine heart behind that, there is a problem there. And the root is that you haven't, you've missed the gospel. You know, if you minimize sin, you minimize the cross. If you minimize sin, you minimize the work of Jesus. Because if sin is not a big deal, then the cross isn't a big deal then everything Jesus was wounded with wasn't a big deal. It wasn't, if we downplay sin, we downplay what Jesus had to endure. 
we say that it isn't a big it isn't a big offense that the Christian life can be lived where we can have a little bit of sin, we can have mixture, but Jesus came to defeat it all. And he bore it all. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That Jesus had to become every single sin that I or you or everyone on this earth has ever committed. That sin was not a light issue for him. It wasn't a it wasn't a, a minor talking point for him. Sin meant his own life. It meant the wounds in his hands and his feet. It meant the, the scars that he bore on his body. It meant him going into the grave and going into hell and then resurrecting. It meant everything to Jesus. It meant everything to God. And although we don't hate or we don't, you know, we don't hate anyone that's in sin, we hate the sin that they're trapped in because we saw what Jesus had to go through for it. We saw the great cost. We saw how much it meant to God that he would endure that. It must have been a great reward to endure such suffering on our behalf. And Jesus hated sin. And, so, and the reason why he hates sin is because sin always leads to death. It always leads to destruction. That's why when you commit sin, you're essentially you're turning away from the Lord. You're turning away from his way and you're going your own. That's why repentance turns and brings you back to the Lord. That's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anything that's not of Jesus is not of eternal life. When we commit sin, we depart from the life to try and find another. And it brings destruction. That's why it was such a big deal for Jesus. And this isn't in a, a condemning way, but it is in a conviction way, in a, in a healthy and a holy conviction, where we must realize that sin isn't just to be played around with or just to try and minimize is to hate it and to eradicate it through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. It's something we never want to play with. You know, and Jesus hated sin and again, sometimes we'll hate sin by being so cold and just so resistant to anyone that's in sin, but Jesus shows the pattern of what it is to have a holy hatred for sin. Jesus is on the donkey, he's going to Jerusalem, they've been worshipping him, Hosanna and Hosanna, and he knows he's walking unto his own death. He's walking into his own sentence, and he's going towards there. And it says, one of my favourite verses in Luke 19, Jesus is walking and he cries out and he weeps over the city of Jerusalem. He said, if only you knew the things that make for your peace. In other words, if only you knew the cost that I'm going to have to bear so that you can now have peace, so that sin doesn't have to reign in your life, so that you don't have to be under the thumb of the enemy, you don't have to be defeated and tormented day in, day out, day in, day out, that you may have eternal life and not be eternally damned. If only you knew what I have to do. And he was crying out for them, even when they were going to nail him to a cross. You see, Jesus hated sin but he loved people even though they were in sin. And it is key in the Christian life to walk in that consistent, anointed will of God, to love his ways and to hate the ways of the enemy. To not just not commit it, but just to hate it, to totally flee from anything that even brings you there. That you don't want it in your house, you don't want it for your wife, you don't want it for your kids, you don't want it for anyone, you don't want it anything in your home, you do not want sin. That is what God, that's why God anointed Jesus. And this is what the heart of, a, of someone filled with the fear of the Lord. It said the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. It's to, to love the Lord. And 
When I speak of the fear of the Lord, I'm not speaking of a fear that drives you away from God, but a fear that clings to Jesus when you realize that he is all that you have. You know, I get, I've been gripped recently by the reality that we will stand before God one day. You know, I, probably not spoken of loads, but we will stand before the throne and all of heaven will be witness. And there will be a book of life. There'll be a book of life and, and our whole lives will be cut open. You know, it says in the Bible that the heart of man, it can be deceitfully wicked, but in 1 Chronicles 6, it says that God truly knows the heart. Only God knows the heart of man. And our hearts, our whole lives will be on full display, that we will have nowhere to hide, we'll have nothing, and the fear of the Lord will be pleading and clinging to the blood of Jesus. It will say that he is my righteousness. I'm not here to preach on my accolades or speak on what I've done or my accomplishments. I'm here to hang on to Jesus, saying that he has saved me, he has delivered me, and because he lives, I'm alive. Because he lives, I have life. And that is a, and the fear of the Lord brings you into a continual walk in that, where you love his ways and you don't want anything that has, that has anything not to do with him. You know, the fear of the God is, is totally, you know, I'm not going to speak loads on the fear of the Lord, but the fear of God is so opposite to the fear of man. The fear of God is where you're more concerned with God's reaction to your action, and the fear of man is where you're more concerned with man's response to what you do. And, you know, the fear of God drives you that, to the point that if you ever had to either hurt man or hurt God, that you'd always choose to hurt man, not that we ever go in life trying to hurt people, but if there was ever a situation, if there was ever a cost, the fear of God would make you know that you would never hurt Jesus, that you would never grieve or wound him, that you would never go against the one who died and rose again for us and showed us the way that is in himself. The fear of God drives you away from all of that and brings you to Jesus every single day, every moment. This is the way where we we submit ourselves to his will. Again, in, in loving righteousness, we submit our, our will and we take on his will. And we don't try and manipulate, we don't try and force, we don't try and work in our own ways. We don't try and, you know, it's not like a game of chess where we're trying to work out our moves. If we do this, then they'll do that, and then we can work out and we can forge a way. We trust in God and he's the one that makes the moves. We commit ourselves to him, even if there's, you're in times where you're facing injustice, maybe it's at work, maybe it's in your family, in relationships where you're being treated for something you haven't done or you're being judged or blamed. Instead of you trying to vindicate yourself, you commit yourself unto God knowing that he will prove you to be righteous. He will prove you to be just. You're not here trying to defend yourself. You know that Jesus will defend you. You know, God keeps an excellent account of our lives. And it says that he's a very present help in times of trouble, that we can trust in God and he will deliver us in a way that we could never do it. In a way that we could never do it. If I go to um, Hebrews chapter 11, I can read this, you don't have to turn there if you don't want. And it's Hebrews chapter 11, it's just verses 24 to 26. This is speaking of the life of Moses. It says here, it says, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. 
for he looked to the reward. Again, this is speaking of Moses with the fear of the Lord, with the love of the Lord, so much so that it says here that the, the reproach of Christ was greater riches than any of the treasure that the world could give him. In other words, the suffering, which was a type of Christ, the suffering that he was to endure following the ways of God, he saw that of greater value, the suffering, than what the world could give him. And the reason was is because he looked to the reward. He looked to something that has eternal reward. Not something that's temporary, not something that maybe you can manipulate and it lasts for a bit, but if you've had to work at it, then you've got to keep it going for the rest of your life. That he looked to a reward that is eternal. And because of that, anything, anything he had to endure, anything he had to suffer, was of greater value than any treasure, any prize that anyone else could give him. And you see the life of Moses. You see how God called him from that in his, in his humility and surrender to the will of God. God called him to lead a nation, to lead a nation out of bondage, a nation out of slavery, and to lead them through the Lord, with the Lord, through miracle after miracle, and to prepare them for them when they would walk into the promised land. And he did all that through Moses because Moses was filled with a, a holy reverence for God and a love for the ways of Jesus, so much so that anything else that was offered to him, he would reject it. And then you see the life that Moses lived as a result of that, the anointing that God put on his life because he rejected sin, he hated sin, and he loved the Lord. You know, again, if you're, if you're at a place in life, maybe there are things going wrong, maybe there are things that aren't going your way, or you are facing opposition or trial or you're facing difficulty where time and time again you're just hitting roadblock after roadblock and you know that what you're doing is right. Maybe you know you're going the right way. Maybe you know you are, you're doing everything right but you're just being treated unfairly. Again, it's committing yourself to Jesus. It's not trying to engineer a result for yourself. It's committing yourself unto the Lord and he will prove you faithful. And it says in Hebrews 6, I'll, I'll just read it out. It says here in verse 10 to 12, it says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Speaks of there that even when you are doing right, even though you are following the way, maybe you are being unjustly treated, maybe circumstances or situations are coming at you and you know this is not of God, this is, this is not right, what is happening. It says here, God doesn't forget your work. He doesn't forget what you're doing. It is not forgotten by him that he keeps an excellent account of your life. And that through faith and patience, when you patiently commit your will to God's will, when you patiently choose, God, I trust you, you have an answer to this, you will deliver me, I trust in you, I'm not here to defend myself, I'm not here to work out my own way, I'm committing myself unto the Lord, and he will avenge you. He will redeem you. He will bring those promises to pass when through faith and patience you commit yourself unto him. And this is a call for our lives today, even in our in everything that we face, there's always times where we're, we may feel unjustly treated, but that is the Christian life. You know, the Christian life is a life of joy and a life of the cross. 
There are times where we will face persecution and suffering, and Jesus promises that for the Christian life, but there's also a life of intense joy, of great joy that exceeds anything that we could ever try, anything we could ever coerce, anything we could ever muster up, but the joy of the Lord becomes our strength, and we walk in a life that far exceeds anything else that this world can give us. And that is the Christian life, and that is the life God calls us to. But in doing that, in loving his ways, in loving his word, in loving, in loving obeying him, and hating sin, in hating lawlessness, we then start to walk in the anointed will of God. It is the, the oil of gladness, the oil of exceeding joy that is then poured out on our lives, greater than those around us, because we are the ones that commit ourselves to Jesus. And through that, he's able to work in and through us a far more exceeding glory. You know, it says there are some amazing promises that we can cling to when we obey God, when we choose to follow his ways, like it says here. There is a promise in Psalm 25, verse 14, and it says, God makes known the fullness of his covenant with those who fear him. That the secret of the Lord, it says at the beginning of that, is the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. It's that God will show you and manifest and bring to pass in your life the, the depths of his covenant that he made through Jesus when you fear the Lord, when you choose righteousness and you hate lawlessness, you hate anything that's not to do with Jesus. Anything that pulls you away from him, you reject and you hate it. But when you choose the ways of the Lord, he's enabled to show you and he promises to show you the fullness of his covenant. You know, we live in a time today, we live in a, in a world where we have more freedoms now than ever before. You know, you can go wherever you want to go, you can do whatever you want to do, you can be whatever you want to be, you can change whatever you want to change about your life. But the world in its pride still doesn't realize that that doesn't solve things. That depression is on the rise, that mental illness is on the rise, that... People, there is war, there is division, there is strife, there is contention, there is selfishness. All these things are on the up, but yet you have more freedom than ever before. And the reason is, is because you can't save you. You can't fix you. You think, oh, if I do that and I do that and I change this and that, then life will be better. Then I will find the meaning of life. I will know the, the deep sense of joy that it is to live this life. And you can't find it. People do that, and then they go, now what? I've changed everything. I've done everything. But I st it's, something is missing. That's because Jesus said that he who, who keeps his life will lose it, and he who loses my his life for my sake and the gospel will find it. We can't save ourselves. We can't fix ourselves. We can't resolve. We can't heal. We can't restore, but Jesus can. And Jesus will, and Jesus does, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's not unto us. We aren't our own Lord. We aren't our own king, like we were saying earlier. We have a king that reigns over us. And when we submit ourselves to the lordship of Christ, when we choose his ways and we reject and we hate anything else, that is when we, we live under the lordship of Jesus, and he is able to work in our life. He is able to work wonderfully in our life. Thank you for watching this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us 
at info at or check out our website at www.centre-church.uk.